Hello and welcome to May 2023. For many of you listening to this podcast, you are about to take your public exams and are probably pretty stressed. I hope that the episodes I'm producing helps alleviate some of that worry. One way to address the strains of examination still further, aside from looking after yourself with your sleep, your diet, your exercise, all the stuff your parents nag you about, is to do something with these podcasts, something with these podcasts. It's now 1st of May at the time of recording. This means that you have about 15 or so days until your first public exam. Try practising a timed essay every other day. So listen to this podcast, yes. Then revise the content, yes. But then write an essay. Let's say the question that you're going to answer is this. Evaluate the view that pressure groups serve democracy. The very theme of this episode. And try and write it out in 45 minutes. Spend five times, five times? Spend five minutes planning, five minutes on the introduction, 30 minutes on the main body, that's 10 minutes per chunky paragraph, and then five minutes on the conclusion. Content, revise, practice. Content, revise, practice. Rinse and repeat. Trust me, it will help you in the end. So on with today's show. The most listened to podcast in A-level politics show history was episode 20 on UK pressure group influence. But that was three and a half years ago. So it's time to revisit this topic, albeit with a different question. Evaluate the view that pressure groups serve democracy. Now, there is some overlap here with my episode on think tanks. That's episode 97. And many of you might be asking whether you can use information about lobbyists, think tanks and corporations corporations in an essay about pressure groups. My view is that it's fine because lobbying is a pressure group method and one function of pressure groups is to educate the public, which is what think tanks claim to do. And you can't avoid talking about writing about corporations because they often fund the think tanks and lobbyists. Plus they are vital when you consider the all important debates about whether pressure groups defend pluralism or perpetuate elitism. More on those two theories in the second section of this episode. I would say that you should only keep your example specific to corporations or specific to think tanks if um, the question is specific to those particular groups. But if it's a general question about pressure groups, I think you're okay. So one thing I found about pressure group essays is it's difficult to break down your essay if it's a non-source essay especially, into three clear themes, since pressure groups have so many different functions that are meant to serve democracy. However, I've done my best. So section one, after this introduction, will deal with pressure group functions. These include those that are vital for democracy, such as encouraging participation, helping citizens to hold the government to account, protecting minority groups and educating the public. Section two will cover that debate I mentioned about pluralism and elitism, And section three will focus specifically on lobbying of corporations and the activities of think tanks to analyse whether these groups serve the wider public or just the select few. The last tips I will give, aside from ensuring, uh, aside from encouraging you to have a clear direction throughout, is that your examples should be A, very recent and plentiful for high AO1 and B, should have a specific story to them. Don't just name a random group. Just don't just say example. Greenpeace. Tell us what specifically that group did. And then for AO2, link between that specific activity and that question, i.e. tell me why the action of that group is democratic or not. Okay, that's enough. Let's get on with it.
So section one, that's your first main paragraph after your introduction, if you like. And the theme is this. Pressure groups supposedly perform vital functions that promote democracy. These include encouraging participation, helping citizens to hold the government to account, protecting minority groups and educating the public, plus a raft of other functions, which I don't have time to go into. So let's start with participation. They give people more opportunities to participate in politics without having to sacrifice too much of their time and attention. There are about 16 million registered voters who chose not to cast their ballot at the last general election. So pressure groups perhaps fill that void left by elections where people don't feel um, particularly involved or particularly interested. AVAS helped organise the People's Climate Marches in 2014 and 2015 to put pressure on the UN climate talks to make positive guarantees to tackle climate change. 38 Degrees, meanwhile, is an online group which allows members to express their opinion very quickly on an unprecedented scale. The group offers the platform Campaigns by You, which provides members with the technological opportunities to undertake their own campaigns through organising their own e-petitions, for example. Trade unions, meanwhile, provide a way for working people to organise and to, to demand better working conditions and pay. And pay. Over 77% of junior doctors took part in a ballot to strike in 2023, with 98% voting in favour of doing so. This example shows how unions mobilise their members to participate in politics and also, with a vote of this magnitude, indicate the depth of feeling on issues such as pay and working conditions. They also help to call the government to account by publicising the effects of policy. So Justice for Grenfell, that group, pushed for a public inquiry into the Grenfell fire, which was then granted. Meanwhile, the Resolution Foundation focuses on poverty and so does the Legatum Institute as well. So the Legatum Institute noted that failing to uplift earnings in line with inflation would result in 450,000 people more living in poverty in 2023 to 24 uh, than in the previous years. Both those think tanks, the Legatum Institute and the Resolution uh, Foundation, um, are shining a spotlight, therefore, on government policy, which is something pressure groups and their offshoots think tanks ought to do. Meanwhile, the campaign group led by donkeys ran a sting operation, catching out three Tory MPs, including, you guessed it, Matt Hancock, who said that they were willing to advocate for a company, which unbeknownst to them didn't exist, for up to £10,000 per day. This group, led by donkeys, is shining a spotlight over MPs, their outside interests and whether Parliament is actually working as it should or whether the people in Parliament are just working for themselves. Also, pressure groups promote and protect the interests uh, and rights of minorities. The Howard League fights for better prison conditions for prison inmates, for example. In 2022, trans rights groups lobbied for easing the process of transition and advocating the Gender Recognition Act in Scotland. And then we come to education. Pressure groups educate the public about important issues. The Act for the Act campaign in 2016 raised awareness of how the Human Rights Act has helped ordinary people. Meanwhile, the Institute of Fiscal Studies, sorry, the Institute for Fiscal Studies, another think tank, was among the first to reveal the fiscal black hole after the 2022 Trust Kwarteng mini budget and, and after that was shelved. The estimated borrowing of 100 billion, which the think tank deemed unsustainable, provided to be vital information 
for those who were concerned about this budget, especially since the government itself refused to publish forecasts that it had been given by the Independent Office of Budget Responsibility. In this sense, pressure groups, think tanks and the like are providing transparency for us, the people, which would be compromised if they did not exist. However, however, now I've just mentioned all those functions, but in the same paragraph, I'm going to be writing about how pressure groups often fall short of performing these functions and thus serving democracy. Those that are internally undemocratic may not accurately represent the views of their members and supporters. Many pressure group leaders, for example, are unelected. The CBI recently sacked Tony Danker, its director general, for allegations of sexual harassment. Oxfam and other groups in the past have been faced with similar scandals. If these pressure groups can't get their own house in order, how can we expect them to press for the government to get its house in order? Some groups also may distort information rather than providing public, uh, public education. They may distort uh, the information we receive and seek to limit social and technological progress in doing so. Stop 5G is a group that is concerned about the potential health and environmental effects of 5G. But its claims are hotly contested. Some argue that instead of focusing on the negative effects of 5G, which is yet to be proven, it is better to focus instead on the economic benefits of uh, high speed broadband. Pressure group methods can often be described as undemocratic too because they can create mass disturbances and mass inconvenience. Junior doctor strikes have placed patient safety at risk. ONS figures show that there was a tripling of excess deaths in the week during and the week after the first set of strikes staged by junior doctors in March 2023. Now, of course, junior doctors would argue that they are striking because they're trying to raise this issue of patient safety um, and that they're uh, pay offers uh, in the past have contributed to uh, a dwindling number of people who are working in our NHS. Um, but um, I'm just simply giving you the other side of the argument in this particular section uh, of my podcast. We also can look at the tactics, the direct action tactics used by some pressure groups and claim that they are in actual effect uh, undemocratic. Uh, so Extinction Rebellion, Just Stop Oil, their use of climate strikes, preventing public transport, tying themselves to goalposts, gluing themselves to roads, have been criticised by many who would otherwise be sympathetic to the cause of combating climate change. It has also resulted in changes to the law through the 2022 Policing Act and the forthcoming 2023 Public Order Bill, which will make demonstrations even harder to organise for groups like these. In this sense, pressure group actions could limit participation due to the resulting restrictive response from the government. Now, of course, they would argue it's not pressure groups introducing this legislation. Um, it's the government themselves. So the government is acting undemocratically. Um, but others would argue uh, that it's the 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 mass disturbances that these groups are causing, which are making it harder for the rest of us to then participate in the democratic process. Somewhere in your essay, and for me, it's going to be in my second chunky paragraph of the main body, you should be writing about pluralism and elitism. What is pluralism? It consists of a pressure groups competing on a level playing field with each other, with the government acting as a neutral umpire and b pressure groups being involved in helping to disperse power and influence more widely. So we can have two case studies here. Let's think about the environmental uh, groups, net zero targets 
that the government has accepted indicate the influence of environmental groups, while tax deductions contained in the windfall tax on energy companies show that carbon intensive industries are in open competition with those groups. And it's up to the government to decide where the balance should lie, uh, whether you should go all in for a carbon neutral society um, or whether you should consider the impact on rising costs of uh, on fuel and energy before the technology is ready to support carbon neutral um, solutions. Um, and so the government arguably is in the middle of this debate. We can also uh, look at pluralism in action, arguably, uh, when we look at the badger coal um, some years back. So farmers groups worried about the spread of TB from badgers to their cattle. And that was on the one hand. And then we have the animal welfare groups who are worried about, well, badgers being killed. OK, so um, and the government then had to step in and, and decide whether there would be a badger coal or not. More on that in a minute. But this demonstrates that pressure groups compete on a level playing field and, and help the government come to an informed decision. However, arguably pressure groups encourage elitism. Elitism is the idea that decision making is dominated by just a few key groups and individuals. Indeed, some groups are elitist and tend to concentrate power in the hands of too few people. Big corporations are often seen as a form of insider pressure group due to their financial muscle and importance to the economy and can often persuade governments to implement favourable policies. Nissan's threats to leave the UK after Brexit were somewhat rewarded when Theresa May's administration offered sweetness to stay in Sunderland. We also had the revolving door, which involves a close relationship between special advisers and ministers themselves on the one hand, uh, getting well paid jobs at lobbying firms um, uh, on the other uh, when they leave office. Um, and that's where the ministers and the advisers can exploit the contacts they made when they were in government. Finance is also a key factor in political influence. So groups that are wealthy may wield a disproportionate amount of influence, perpetuating elitism. In 2020, Housing Minister Robert Jenrick was accused of rushing through approval of a development project to satisfy a Tory donor, Richard Desmond, who is a property developer. There are also think tanks that arguably wield too much influence. The Institute of Economic Affairs, the IEA, was instrumental in the Trust Kwartang mini-budget in 2022 that is said to have cost the UK taxpayer an additional £30 billion as the markets took fright at the unfunded tax cuts. The austerity Mark II budget that had to come after it, um, introduced by the new Chancellor Jeremy Hunt in November 2022, need not have been as painful if the trust government would have surrounded itself with people other than those who were uh, well disposed to the IEA's ideas. Little wonder that the campaign group led by donkeys hung a sign outside 55 Tufton Street, the IEA headquarters, that read UK economy was crashed here. Over-reliance on a narrow group of think tanks and groups can lead to bad policy and symbolises that elitism that pressure groups and their offshoots, think tanks and corporations are supposed to prevent. Indeed, insider groups tend to negotiate quietly behind the scenes using their private contacts in Whitehall. The example I used earlier, badges v farmers, the farmers won. That's because the NFU, the National Farmers Union, is close to the Tories. Oil companies versus environmental groups. I think you know who is winning there. Is there really a level playing field then? And therefore, is there really pluralism, especially when you consider that only some privileged groups get to write legislation? That's right, folks. Some uh, groups have been given the opportunity to draft legislation. Private health care companies help draft the controversial health and social care bill that they themselves stood to benefit for, uh, that they themselves stood to benefit from. 
Where is the level playing field then? Where is the pluralism if you've got some people writing legislation and some people being shut out of the legislative process? And finally, we're going to look at the idea that pressure groups provide advice to government through think tanks and connect citizens to decision makers through lobbying. What is lobbying? It is another word for persuasion. That's not inherently undemocratic. In fact, isn't politics and democracy all about trying to persuade each other of one's point of view? Central lobby in Parliament, which is between the House of Commons and the House of Lords, is literally where citizens go, constituents go to meet their MP and to let them know of their concerns and seek to persuade MPs to take up a case. Pressure groups seek to persuade government and without these efforts, it is doubtful that ordinary members of the public would be able to exert their influence. In April 2023, Warm This Winter encouraged constituents to write to their MP and to join both in-person and online meetings to pressurise the government to maintain support for heating costs. Trade unions in October 2022 organised a mass lobby of Parliament to protest against anti-trade union laws coming down the pipe. Over 60 MPs were called upon in June 2019 to support the Women in Prisons Women's Future campaign, which aims to reduce the female prison population and to pressurise the Treasury to redirect funds made in the sale of Holloway, Britain's only female prison, to establishing a system of women's centres. Think tanks, meanwhile, um, a body of experts brought together to investigate and offer solutions to economic, social and political problems, um, have influence due to their expertise. Again, they then use the expertise to try and pressurise the government, to lobby the government, to change course. There is nothing inherently wrong with using expertise uh, to state your case to those who then make decisions. However, however, lobby groups and think tanks have arguably corrupted the political system. Lobby groups are buying off politicians. Owen Paterson MP repeatedly lobbied ministers on behalf of two companies who paid him more than £100,000 a year and he used his House of Commons office for meetings related to his own private business interests without first declaring them. Meanwhile, leaked WhatsApp messages in March 2023, the same uh, batch of WhatsApp messages uh, that um, Isabel Oakshot got hold of from Matt Hancock, show that the chair of the Health Select Committee... The very person who is supposed to be holding the health department to account, Steve Bryan MP, lobbied for Remedium Partners, uh, a firm um, engaged in healthcare um, workforce and so on, uh, to be given favourable contracts by the NHS. Cryptocurrency groups have co-opted MPs to sit on the boards of their companies and have funded the activities of the all-party parliamentary group uh, related to cryptocurrency regulation in Parliament, um, and they advocate for a looser regulatory climate for this bourgeoning industry, despite fears of the sector spearheading a future stock market crash. This example and the others I've mentioned show how lining the pockets of MPs, lobbying all-party parliamentary groups, APPGs, and influencing public policy runs counter to the democratic principles that pressure groups, think tanks, and lobbyists and corporations are supposed to promote. That's transparency, a level playing field, and pluralism. 
Think tanks are arguably just corporate lobby groups in disguise. The Taxpayers Alliance, Brexit Central and the IEA have all confirmed to Open Democracy that they participate in the monthly meetings to discuss strategy with Conservative politicians. An investigation by Greenpeace and The Guardian secretly filmed the IEA's director, Mark Littlewood, telling undercover reporters that his organisation was in the Brexit-influencing game and that the US donors and that US donors could get to know ministers on first-name terms. This is less about providing policy expertise than providing corporations insider access to the people we elect, perpetuating um, elitism um, and um, facilitating an environment where politicians could be bought off. So you now know what to do. Revise the content you have gathered here and then answer the question. Evaluate the view that pressure groups serve democracy. Practice, practice, practice. That's all you should be doing right now. If you have found this pod useful, then it is not too late to subscribe to Plus Plus Plus. Deets on how to do so are in the show notes. For just £1.99 a month, you get access to the entire back catalogue and two bonus pods each month. And you're like this. You can cancel any time you want. Maybe just after your exams, perhaps. Have a think about it. And while you do, why not get in touch? You can ask a specific question about this specific episode uh, directly to me in the do you need any further help section in the show notes. And you can also take part in our episode polls. For this one, the question simply is, do pressure groups serve democracy? Yes or no? In my view, ultimately, they do. As my beloved late uncle used to say, without pressure groups, all you would have is government. And no one wants that. Food for thought. Until the next time, ta-da.